Hello and welcome everyone to the Creativity, Spirituality, and Making a Buck podcast with David Nickturn on the Be Here and Now Network. Welcome everyone. Thank you, Michael. And um, just to re-address ourselves to our audience, that you just heard the voice of Michael Cameras, who is our podcast producer and my trusty sidekick. And I'm David Nickturn. And we've uh, undertaken just to have these dialogues and put them out there. They're extremely spontaneous. Uh, so I just want you to know that we have, <clears throat> we're totally unprepared actually for what we're about to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. So at the same time, you could look at your whole life as preparation for what we're about to talk about. And in this case, it loosely wraps itself around the idea of meditation. That's our common ground. Michael's been studying meditation with me for a number of years, and he's one of our assistant directors in our teacher training program and doing a great job at that. And uh, he's a celebrated Dharma nerd. He really likes the books and hitting the books and um, talking about some of the um, more uh, intricate aspects of, of the way uh, Buddhist thought has evolved over the centuries. I'm probably equally interested in making the teachings accessible and um, kind of helpful for people in everyday life situations, hence the title, Creativity, Spirituality, Making a Buck. Um, everyday life seems to be a really good testing ground for your Dharma study and practice, and the Dharma study and practice should be informed by life itself. So that's what we're up to, and we just go onto these chats. And this time we had the idea of, um, Michael brought up the idea of getting there. So um, that's the title of this podcast. So, Michael, why don't you say a little more about what you mean by that? Well, yeah, actually, this one was instigated by our co-producer, colleague and friend, Melissa Mattern, and she phrased it pretty well. Where are we trying to get and where are we if we're not there? <laughs> In a way, that could be the end of the podcast because... <laughs> Thank you and good night. Yeah, where are we trying to get and where are we if we're not there? So uh, this is in the style of, um, you know, not really formal koan practice, um, but the idea of presenting something to your rational linear mind that uh, kind of makes it stop in its tracks and uh, pop open. That's part. Of, that's part of the tradition. So... You know, it 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 brings me to Mike to to a, a thought about the conceptual mind, the discursive, the narrative mind, which we were so heavily occupied with and invested with, in, and the non-conceptual dimension of awareness and consciousness, which is not framing itself every five seconds into some kind of verbal or even narrative kind of. Uh, process so i'm gonna again take this example of this woodpecker on my roof it's just i'm thinking blah 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 and then the click 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 and my mind stops and then very quickly it goes okay what is that out there oh it's a woodpecker and i start explaining to myself what's going on but the immediate experience of it is so beyond any it's so um ultimate in a sense that it's bigger than any universe you could ever traverse. Just the experience of the woodpecker tapping on your on your roof 
opens up the gateway to completely non-conceptual perception of, re of reality before any thought enters the mind at all. Pre-thought, non-thought. I had an interesting experience also with birds recently that just arose in my mind as yeah. you were saying that, which sort of like speaks to sort of a middle ground where there's like that unconditioned, unfabricated sense of awareness, right? Non-conceptual mind. And then this whole edifice that spins off, right? That arises into an environment of, of thought and emotion, right? Sometimes we call them the realms, like your first book and Awakening from the Daydream. But it was when I was going to cast my ballot in the election previously at a drop box. And I was walking down the street and I saw birds. It looked like they were circling basically over the drop box, which is like pretty, <laughs> juicy, pretty juicy in the first place, right? But I couldn't make out what kind of bird they were, right? So that mm -hmm. sort of like spontaneous careening into conceptual this is this was sort of just suspended midair. Yeah. yeah, beautiful. And it was really juicy. I just had to had to be there in the middle of it. And what everybody who's listening to this, who's intrigued by this, for whatever reason, should consider reading is a book called Glimpses of Abhidharma by Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche. Because what we're really talking about is how consciousness develops very quickly from a a, a raw event, a non-conceptual kind of space, into a highly uh, fabricated and elaborated um, storyline about what's going on and how fast that happens. So one of the things that they say is it's something like 128th of a second. That's a moment of consciousness. And then they stream together into what, we, like the frames in a movie, into what we conceive as of as continuity of our experience. So actually, our experience is not really continuous in that way. And just like a film is not really continuous, it's just a series of frames. Now, when you catch up to the speed of the mind like that, um, concepts just can't handle that speed. They're just at a slower baud rate, if you want to look at it that way. There's so much information coming in beyond conceptual mind in any second, even when we're completely absorbed in conceptual mind, there's a, a stream of data coming in from your body, from your environment uh, that just bypasses that whole aspect, of, uh, that whole part of your apparatus. And it's the major part of your experience, actually, of being alive and uh, having a mind in the first place. But we're not paying attention to it. Somehow our attention has been captured, if you want to look at it that way, by this narrative part of our mind. And so we spend all of our time and focus there. And I'm not saying everybody should take, you know, some powerful drug and blast the conceptual mind into hyperspace. Um, but at the same time, we can learn how to just notice in, in, a, in an instant, you know, just an instant of awareness, everything is there. And it doesn't need always to be categorized, calibrated, um, manipulated, um, and that's the job of the ego structure. If you want to survive as an individual, you need to do that. You need some of that. The problem with the ego structure is it then begins to think, well, I'm running the universe here. And it takes the job really too seriously. <laughs> and it's pulling all that data together in a way that's saying, 
don't interrupt the way I'm constructing this, because if you do, you're my enemy. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to start framing out uh, our experience in a very solid way that is unnecessarily humorless. Humor. Mm. It's so important, you know, because otherwise, how can you? It feels like it's related to spaciousness, right? Like you can it gives you a little space because you're not grasping onto things so like your own narrative your own concept right because if you you poke a hole in that concept of what your ego or false sense of self is telling you is reality that part of yourself is threatened right and like that's part of the journey is then you experience fear discomfort or like who am i right and so like the meditation practice gives us a gap where we can sort of see these things and make friends with these things. We can see the process happening. We can see the balloon popping maybe for a brief second. And that may put us in touch with that other part of our mind that's not just fixating on concept. Well, and arguably that part of our mind is inherently freer. Is that what we're trying to get? (laughs) <laughs> well, okay, there you go. And, and sometimes um, in the Dzogchen tradition, they use the word carefree. Uh, mm. there's, a, there's a great book, I think by, maybe by Mingyu Rinpoche, Carefree Dignity. So now, carefree is not frivolous or careless. It's interesting to be distinguished that. So we're not trying to get to a frivolous place or a, a sloppy place that you could come to that conclusion. Just let it loose, you know, like just drop you know, drop your girdle off and hundreds of pounds of fat just roll out onto the ground. You know, there's a tightness or tautness to it, to, to that kind of carefreeness. It's very precise at the same time. So <clears throat> who's trying to get somewhere? I guess we would have to add to it, um, to Melissa's original uh, uh, comment there, is um, getting there, but... In Buddhism, sometimes you track back and you go, who's getting there? Who's trying to get there? Who will be there at the end of getting there? And that's really the best inquiry. That's better than uh, where to get. And everybody nudges you back in the chain uh, who knows you know, how to process this kind of uh, journey well. Who's trying to get there? Um, and you look at that and you're going to be right on the verge of... Um, either seeing clearly the, the structure of the ego or open space. And you probably see them right close to each other, very close. And we call that co-emergence. The, the open space and the ego structure co-emerge, they co-arise, and they're kind of close neighbors uh, in, in that when you see clearly, you see both at once. I've I've spent that's really salient I think um I've spent a lot of time thinking about who am I what am I who is you know like but what you said about the uh who is it or what is left when you get there could you say that again <laughs> I can't say it again cuz I, I I don't exactly remember everybody listen back what I said the first time so I'll leave that for everybody else to deal with but um yeah, who's, what is left um, when you get there? 
That's a good question. That's another, and that could be another podcast. What's left when you get there? Uh, who is the, who's trying to get there? And then what's left when you do get there? And um, there's, you know, I'm, I'm, it may sound like we're just jamming freely here, but actually we're drawing on very traditional Buddhist teachings, as I learned from Trungpa Rinpoche. They're embedded in there and other teachers. And the notion of what is left uh, is described in various ways as kind of emptiness, a um, vastness. Uh, what, what is not left is a strongly identifiable central figure. Uh, so sometimes we talk about a grain of sand and the vastness of everything. There's not much left that you would that would uh, be in a position to celebrate getting there. <laughs> so the party is not exactly the party you hoped for. And the direct quote, and I've yeah, I like this quote a lot from from Trungpa Rinpoche. Ego, no, no, enlightenment is ego's final disappointment so in talking about getting there now you have your final disappointment right on the and, and right right before you get there um because there's nobody really there to uh to, to um cash in so to speak isn't that isn't that sweet in a way nobody gets to cash in it's beautiful and it's an invitation in, in my in relating with these teachings and being your student, I've found that these things are invitations to contemplate and meditate, right? Because otherwise it's, it's just a theory, mm. you know? Mm. And um, so I encourage all the listeners to to sit with these things and and um, see how it aligns with your experience if if you really look closely. Well, that's and, and I'm glad you're bringing it up, Michael, because hello, young podcasters, wherever you are, if you're talking about meditation, let's all agree to do some practice. <laughs> and, and, you know, I work with a lot of different people and I just say, look, let's keep that thread going. It's fine to be very curious and investigative and study and talk about these things, but it just, there has to be some kind of meeting of that experience with the practice itself. Uh, now, some schools, they say, just practice. Don't talk about this kind of stuff. Don't have podcasts, you know, no podcast, no podcaster, no pod, no audience. <laughs> but that's not the world that we're really living in from a practical perspective. Uh, so in mixing the two, I think there could be a healthy recipe there. A healthy, a healthy recipe for getting there <laughs> well there you go then i think we've wrapped that one up thank Good. you michael thank you david all the best to all of our listeners hello friends we'd like to thank you